Hello, Matthew. Hello. How have you been? I've been the my usual self, you know. Oh, okay. Boring then. Oi. It's a <laughs> life of sex, drugs and sausage rolls. <laughs> sex, drugs and sausage rolls. I like that. Yeah. I like it. That's my kind of life, I think. <laughs> Ideally. <laughs> you don't need rock and roll, sausage rolls all the way. It's sad because I've had none of those recently, so... <laughs> Not even the, not sausage, even the roll. sausage rolls. Not even drugs. Not even Nurofen or like hay fever pills. No. Oh, Jesus Christ. I've not been ill recently, so. Uh, okay. I mm. just take it out of habit now. I think I might be a drug addict. Possibly. 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 I always have some Nurofen with me. Yeah. To be fair, I am in pain a lot, so. Yeah. You're probably a bit, bit, bit like house. Dr. House. Yeah, it's all in the mind, the pain. I bet I'm not actually in pain. I bet my neck, my back and my legs aren't killing me right now. Yeah. I bet it's all psychological, just so I can take these pills and just be high. Not that Neurofen actually makes you high. It's very unfortunate, really. Yeah. Of all the kind of drugs you could get addicted to. It's not the best one. Yeah. Because you don't get the high, and that's what you take drugs for, isn't it, really? Yeah, I just get pain relief instead. Yeah. That just sucks. I know. Who needs pain relief? Yeah. Exactly. Live with the pain, and you'll yeah. learn to be stronger until you pass out because you're in pain. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll die because you pass out while crossing a road and get hit by a bus. Mm, that went weird very quickly. I paint pictures with words, I like to think. <laughs> I'm a storyteller. Yeah, yeah. A flight of imagination there. Yeah. Hit by a bus after you pass out. Normally it's just hit by a bus. Or just passing out. Yeah, I can put the two together. And I also put drug addiction into the character development, so Yeah. And chronic pain. We've come a long way, haven't we? Yeah. I'm a natural born storyteller. Yeah. The Roald Dahl of our generation, I think. There was a lot of drug addiction in Roald Dahl, wasn't there? When people being (laughs) Hit by buses. Yeah, George's Marvellous Medicine. They get hit by a bus. No, but there's drugs. Who's the one where um, characters' parents got killed by... James and the Giant Peach, isn't it? Their parents, parents got killed by a, an escaped rhinoceros. I believe so. Yeah. I know the witches, the parents get killed as well, but I'm pretty sure that was a car accident. Yeah. I, in fact, I know that was a car accident because I still watch the witches a lot. Yeah. So, No, it's yes. definitely James and the Giant Peach, yeah, his parents, because he goes to stay with Mrs. Sponge and Mrs... Oh, I can't remember what her name is now, but they're, cause they're his aunts and... I can remember the rhinoceros kills his parents at the beginning. Roald Dahl seems like a man that we could get along with, except he was of a different generation. Yeah. So he might not like me. Possibly not. Could be quite rude. Yeah. Still, he wrote some good books. So yeah. We can forgive him pretty much everything. You know, J.K. Rowling could be a Nazi and we'd forgive her. You know. Uh, would I? I'd be tempted to. <laughs> I, uh, well, no, no. No. I mean, a Nazi is still a Nazi, isn't it? Yeah. Even if you've evaded the law for almost 100 years, actually more like 70, and you're living out your last days, you're still a bloody Nazi and you should get extradited and put on trial for your crimes. Yeah. That man in America. Man in America. Yeah, there's a man in America that his son is... I think we've talked about it briefly before. Did we? Ah. Um, yeah, Poland are trying to extradite him. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. his son's like, he's an old man and he didn't do any of these crimes that they're saying. But if he didn't, then just let him stand trial and then he could be cleared. Yeah. Just go with it. Yeah. If, if he did do the crimes, then he should get fucked one way or another. It doesn't matter how old he is. Yeah. Sick fucks. I know. So many of them got away with it as well. I know, it's disgusting. Especially the ones that, like, got taken in by the US government. Yeah. So they can help them with the Cold War. God, it's cheerful, isn't it? Yeah. People think the US just saved the world because they helped in the war. No, they just created a new brand of warfare, really. Mm, I think it furthered other wars than being involved in the last one. In the last one, in the Nazis. Ah, war's gonna happen. Anyway, so yeah, true. Can't blame it all on the Americans, or they they do oh, no, have a habit of keeping going to war. So yeah, and like funding wars and you yeah. know propaganda against citizens and yeah, let's just say a lot of wars are you know U.S. adjacent. Yeah, I'm not saying all of the wars are because of the U.S. because there are civil wars going on that aren't involved with the U.S. Yeah, but a lot of the wars are U.S. adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I wonder um, if. In any of these wars, there's going to be a victor. You went for what I was just going to say. I was just going to say it. Oh, well, I was quicker. So. Well, there's no winners in a war, is there? 
No, no. People no. die. Destruction yeah. happens. I don't think anyone can call it winning. Mm. But there was a victor somewhere, wasn't there, in France? I think there's probably a lot of victors in France, Matt. What are you getting at? Well, not necessarily. I mean, in their recent record. Victoire. 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 I don't know how to say it. Maybe I just put a French accent on it. It's Victor, I think, not Victoire. Victor. Victor. Yeah. We're, Victor. We're... Should we keep doing this then while intro music is playing? Yeah. And then we'll just come back from intro music. We'll get all the victors out of our system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The intro music. Victor, please play. Victor. Come on, Victor, do it. Welcome to the Dorks Deduction Podcast. Where we talk about stuff. Thank you very much, Victor. Yeah. By the way, we've adopted an intern and just named him Victor. Yeah. You're a legend, Victor. Yeah. Well, ledge. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded like disgusting as it was coming out of my mouth as well. Did it sound as wrong as it felt? I think that's something she said, probably. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> He's well, ledge, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He's a proper legend. I can imagine you saying that quite a lot, actually. What, he's a proper legend? Yeah. I bet you say that to your customers, don't you? Nah, man, nah. <laughs> Who was a proper legend? Tell me all about it. This is Victor of Aviron, I think is how you pronounce it, from some radio programme I was listening to, so... I love how, like, we started off the episode talking about how I'm a great storyteller. But this week it's your episode and it's a French episode that I have not even looked at. So I can't even help you. No, you can't. <laughs> I picked the right week to take the week off, didn't I? <laughs> but <laughs> I've listened to the pronunciations on the radio, so I should be able to nail them this time. So yeah. Okay. You nail Victor, man. You nail you, him. Yeah, I'll oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I can nail lots of things, probably. So I, I'm going to be talking about Victor of Averon this time. And... Victor was a feral child who lived in the woods in the French department of Aveyron. When was this? Uh, well, he was born in roughly 1788, they think. So uh, he was found in 1800. So it's around about this time it happens. He lived to 40, so all this goes on between kind of 1788 and... 1828, so early 19th century is most of it. So I'm now going to start the story of Victor. First time we really hear about him properly is sometime around 1800, possibly 1799. There's a bit of debate when he suddenly emerged from the forest. Apparently, he's seeking warmth at some local dye works or something like that. And two locals who'd found out that he'd come out of the forest decided to go see him. And they managed to convince him to come back to where they were staying. The, how they had to do this was because he didn't, he didn't respond to speech. He was mute. And basically, if you tried, like, pulling him to say, you know, come with us, he would resist. So they had to convince him by caressing him and just kissing him, by just showing kind of affection, really. And just by, in general, being kind of friendly and smiling, that's how they managed to kind of convince him to go with them. Due to this lack of speech and from the fact that there were multiple scars on his body, at least 23, I think, was put down somewhere. But his eating habits as well, they determined that he'd probably been living wild for quite some time, or at least a good few years, they expected. So this might not have been the first time he'd been outside of the forest, though, as there is an account of how he was found by three hunters who'd spotted him in the forest. They then, you know, gave chase and eventually managed to capture him as he was trying to climb a tree. Because, you know, when you see a child in the forest, I suppose you assume it's not meant to be there, I guess. Unless they're camping. Yeah, maybe. He was described as having kind of very fine skin, very white. His kind of face was quite round and he had very, like, deep-set black eyes and long eyelashes and chestnut hair. He had a slightly kind of pointed nose. But apart from that, he didn't really look too much like any other children. There was a kind of expectation that him having lived wild, he might look different, but he didn't particularly. And the only thing that might have been slightly different was that his teeth were quite yellow and stuff like that. Which makes sense. Yeah. But even then, I don't think people clean their teeth often as they do now. So. Yeah, so it wouldn't be that ab abnormal. I wouldn't have thought so, no. 
eventually a local biology professor who was also a priest, I think, or an abbot. And his name was Pierre Joseph Bonnetier. He was also a naturalist, so he knew a lot about nature. He was quite famous in the time. Uh, he examined Victor and was very curious because this kid was obviously very strange in some ways to what you weren't, weren't used to children like this and basically what he started to kind of experiment with him slightly so he took off Victor's clothes and led him outside to where it's snowing and to his surprise Victor didn't really seem too bothered by the snow and he was happy frolicking around and Bonnetaire considered this to be a sign that Victor was used to being in the cold and to being exposed and stuff like that so this led to more support that he'd been living wild. Another thing that Victor Victor did this one of his own accord. He put his hand in the fire and it didn't seem to really bother him. It led Bonnetaire to believe that Victor didn't have any like temperature sensitivity. So that and the fact that he wasn't really bothered about being in the snow. I have a question. Mm. This is France yeah. in the 1700s. Wouldn't they have just thought he was a witch? Not necessarily. Oh. I wouldn't have thought so. That's why they burned witches at the stake, because if they survive, they are witches. Yeah, I think there was other things going on with the witches, though, I think. These were quite clever people as well. These were scientists. They didn't tend to believe in that kind of stuff. No, but I meant the general public. Wouldn't they have tried to forcibly remove him, because he um, he's like a devil child witch? Maybe, I don't know. I'm not too sure about that one. But the scientists, at least because um, this is the age of the Enlightenment, so they kind of stopped believing in some of the, the witchcraft stuff. Okay. To be fair, this was only at... He only did this at uh, Bonnetaire's house, and Bonnetaire was a naturalist, so it wasn't just some random peasant. So he was definitely something of a curiosity to scientists and people in general. Also, Bonnetaire came to perhaps a slightly grim conclusion that when um, Victor had been abandoned in the wood, Woods, he'd likely had his throat cut, so whoever abandoned him had tried to kill him. Oh, wow. He'd probably been quite young at this stage as well. It's speculated that this may have been done because he was mute, because there was some problem with him, maybe, so, and whoever was looking after him, either the social kind of stigma of it, maybe, or just generally couldn't cope. You know what I say causes even more social stigma? Like your child disappearing. When everyone knows you've got a baby. Yeah. And then it's just gone. Certainly nowadays that would, but I'm not sure back then would have necessarily. I don't understand with the killing. Like, just leave it on someone's doorstep. That's what they used to do. Yeah, I, I think, going back to what you're saying about witchcraft, I think when kids were, like, dumb and what they called deaf, Dumb and deaf is what they called it back then. Um, it's not me calling yeah. it that. They used to believe it was either something wrong with the child, like it was born evil or something like that, or they believed it was something wrong with like the parents, for example. So, like defective sperm or something like that, I guess. So there is like some kind of like superstitious kind of things going on. So I can kind of maybe understand why you try and get rid of it. I still wouldn't do it myself. I wouldn't. No. It seems callous. I mean, sure, if you don't want a child, you don't want it, but you don't have to try and kill it. Yeah. I mean, abortion's different. It's still a fetus. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I'm pro-choice. Yeah. But, like, once the baby's out, I mean, you can do anything. You can give it up for adoption. You can leave it. You, you don't have to try and kill it. Yeah, I do, I do feel sorry for Victor because he clearly didn't have a particularly great start in life. No. So, yeah, and I think it's Bonnetaire who he observed that Victor probably lived it had pretty much been self-sufficient ever since he lived on the woods on his own for probably about roughly seven years because again we had no really kind of clear idea of how old he was particularly all they know is that he is kind of starting to become pubescent around about a couple of years after he was found so that's the only reason they've got his age kind of down to 12 Going back to the scar on his on his throat where he'd been cut, it was a forty one millimeter scar, so it's it's quite deep. It's actually quite um surprising that he survived this, but somehow he managed to. Bonnetaire observed that he was quite wild and grimy and his hair was quite disgusting, which to be honest it would be if you've been living in the woods for twelve years. You're probably not exactly able to wash your hair, are you? So No, and would he be bothered to do that because kids only wash themselves because their parents make them yeah he was 
pretty much indifferent to loud sounds and smells, basically. Um, he didn't seem to have much sensory abilities. He did have some sense of smell, but it was usually like food. So like strong, like really foul smelling odours, he couldn't smell, but food, he could. His taste was quite strong and his vision and hearing were kind of all right. But his touch, that was one of the worst senses he had. So just couldn't seem to grasp what anything was from just touching it. I guess that helps from living in the wild, though. Like he needs his sight and smell and hearing to hunt. And if he doesn't have good sensory, that's good just in case he gets attacked by shit. So he's well adapted to feral life, I guess. One of the later doctors did a test on him because they'd worked out that he didn't like respond to you kind of shouting at him or calling him or something like that. At first they thought he was deaf just because he didn't react to like sounds. But they realised if you like, if you, one of the doctors cracked a chestnut right near him, but he couldn't tell that this was going on, but they cracked it. He turned around immediately, provoked immediate reaction. So he clearly wasn't deaf. But he only reacted to sounds that concerned him, that had some hint that there's either danger or food about. So it's like survival instinct, whereas the rest of the other stuff doesn't apply to him. He doesn't care about speech. He doesn't need it. Yeah. This doctor kind of theorised that he could hear things like berries falling off trees or or similar stuff, because I'm not sure how much sound a berry falling off a tree makes but depends on what it's landing on really yeah stuff falling like on the ground he could hear apparently really well but um he couldn't like hear accents and stuff like that in general he couldn't like distinguish between different accents and different sounds very well but stuff falling on the ground he was very good at hearing and they think that's to do with his development in the woods because that's all you really need to have when you're in the woods he was able to do, like, very simple tasks. So he wasn't completely what they would call probably useless. He could shell beans and he could select good ones and he could fill a casserole with water to cook stuff. And he could fuel fire, but he didn't have many else skills. Yeah, so it so, was more menial tasks that he could accomplish rather than anything advanced, really. Yeah, yeah, nothing too kind of intellectual, really. Yeah, and um, Bonatair in particular noted that he wasn't, like, totally devoid of intelligence um, and reasoning, but really apart from when his, like, bodily functions needed to be satisfied, like his appetite, he really kind of had the most basic of, like, animal functions, really. Didn't seem to think about anything, didn't really show concern for much, didn't really seem to have any, like, curiosity. So, you know, like, how most kids want to, like, play or something like that. Or they're constantly asking questions about the world or everything that's going on, yeah. Being inquisitive, yeah. Yeah, he didn't seem to see how much understanding of, like, the world, really, outside world. Due to probably being thought deaf at some point, he was sent to the National Institute of the Deaf. And actually, um, his arrival there, he'd already become kind of slightly famous by this point because... It's actually Napoleon's brother who said he should be brought to this Institute for the Deaf. So it's quite high up, this story had got. So he, he arrives at this Institute and there's a lot of very curious people who want to visit him. So he's become something a bit of a, a celebrity in some ways, which, you know, if you've just been used to living in the woods, it's got to be quite different for you. It's got to be something to kind of adapt to, I guess. Yeah. Unfortunately, his time at this institute wasn't particularly joyful because he's clearly something of an oddity to the kind of fellow residents and the patients and even the doctors, to be honest. He was apparently kind of bullied here just because he was so different. As well as kind of having poor communicative skills, uh, he would pretty much just urinate and defecate wherever he wanted. And just in general, he was considered very uncivilised. He would also, I kind of understand this one, he would also scream if anyone tried to nick his food or something like that. Yeah. Which, to be honest, is what I would do. <laughs> In the same situation. Uh, you've heard me in restaurants whenever someone tries to snatch no my food. No one's ever scream. stolen your food, man. Tapas, that makes it very difficult, you know, when you see other people stealing your food. I never touched your tapas because you bought <laughs> the seafood ones anyway. Yeah. So I, 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 didn't, I don't like seafood, so. Then, then why didn't I have any of your tapas? I don't think I had any of your tapas. I don't know. Annie nicked some of my cheese. I know that. So. Oh, I'll tell her you said that. Yeah, I screamed at her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why Annie's actually dead. It's, yeah. it's, you're the one that killed her, isn't it? Yeah, I, by, by screaming, managed to kill her. <laughs> you, no, you did it. 
to get a spot on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Your episode count has gone up significantly since Annie's been gone. Yeah, that makes me sound intelligent, though. Yeah, you're not smart enough to come up with a plan like this. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't actually asking you to agree with me there. (laughs) (laughs) At this uh, place, he was examined by three leading figures in, in the science and kind of medical profession. They all determined that his mental deficiencies were innate and that it would be very unlikely that this kind of status would be altered. So basically, he's pretty much being condemned here. They're saying no attempt at kind of rehabilitation is going to work and that he's pretty much to be left to some kind of lunatic asylum at some point. And they're like, I was reading one particular thing. They said they didn't even consider him a savage, which some people might have done. And they just believed he was just a genuine idiot, pretty much. So... Their interest in kind of Victor waned, but it piqued the interest of a 25-year-old doctor named Detard. Don't know his first name, but that's his surname. And for Detard, uh, Victor was kind of, uh, in a way, he was genuinely, I think, quite curious about the case. But it was also a way of kind of making his name in his profession. So Victor was kind of useful to him in a way. So Detard made some of the same conclusions that Bonaterre came to that he'd been abandoned for at least seven years or something like that and that he'd got to have been quite young when it happened because he made almost no signs of development at all. So they think it had to be quite young before he kind of learned to communicate. And really, uh, notice apart from any objects of basic need, he wouldn't be interested in objects. And it's hard eventually um, decided that he wanted to try and see if he could help educate Victor and particularly in the form of communication so teaching him language because at this time there was a particular idea that what marked humans out as being kind of different from other animals was their ability to kind of learn and develop language skills so it's hard put uh, Victor on a socialization program so it wasn't just like teaching him to communicate it was also teaching him basic like skills like going to the toilet and cooking and stuff like that as well. And showering and bathing. Yeah, basic hygiene. And with the basic skills, he was actually learnt pretty quickly. He learnt to dress himself quite well. If you showed him a symbol of an object that you wanted him to go get, he could go and get that thing. Although uh, it didn't develop far enough that, um, for example, if he was told to get some books, he'd only get the book that he'd seen. So he couldn't differentiate that other books were part of what books were, if you get what I mean. He familiar, he familiarises himself with a certain object. He relates that to book. I can understand why he wouldn't associate the unfamiliar books with books, because he's set in his ways. Yeah. No one's taught him the variations of it. He hasn't learnt as a child as he would if he was living in the wild. Yeah. You know, I, I definitely agree with that. So he kind of only had very basic kind of understanding. And in terms of communication, he didn't really develop too much. He learned how to write very simple messages on like a chalkboard and he could maybe write out a few words with some wooden letters, but never really went much beyond that. And he could kind of understand words if you were to telling him what they were, but he couldn't then use them, say, to demand something like that. So, uh, for example, he could understand what milk was. He couldn't talk, so he, he'd be able to find some way of saying milk, basically. Like grunting or mouthing or using his hands to describe. Yeah, but he would never use it like to say, I want a glass of milk. He would just show a sign of pleasure that he, he could see that milk was being poured or something like that. Um, so, he, again, it was very basic, very like rudimentary kind of communicative skills. He never really learnt to converse. Actually, I go back on one point. He did learn, I think he learnt how to kind of shout out milk and oh my God, I think, or oh God, but that was about it. So he wasn't completely mute? Not completely mute, but never really conversed. That's because he wasn't taught. So that one of the reasons put forward about the abandonment was because he was mute. Yeah, I think that's probably what they assumed for a long time. It wasn't until this um, Itard really tried to kind of teach him things that he began to really learn anything. Itard theorised that the reason why uh, he couldn't really learn to talk was he'd gone past the age where he can really teach someone to properly converse. And there is like, there's a famous like um, fact that is that as you get older, you learn your ability to say like certain words and stuff like that. So for example, in 
Asia. It's quite famous that they can't say as the letter R or something like that. I can say R. Uh, but some places in Asia, like for example, Japan, it's quite famous they can't say it. But they can say it as kids, but as they grow older, because they don't use it very often. You, you forget the ability to have, to pronounce your R's and stuff like I that. I kind of understand that, because when I was younger, I sort of, I knew how to speak Bengali, at least basic. But yeah. Now, as I've gotten older, because I don't speak it, I, I'm always speaking English. I yeah. can't really speak it. I mean, I can understand it, bits of it, because my mother still talks it. But every, my mother's the only one that really talks Bengali in my life, and I never really pay attention to what she says. But, yeah, I can't really speak it. I can understand bits and pieces, the majority of it. Well, the majority of what she tells me, and even then, sometimes I have to get her to repeat it. But I can't say it. Like, if you asked me to say something in Bengali, I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. Other than, like, swear words. But <laughs> yeah. But I know swear words from many different countries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was clear that the ability to learn kind of deteriorates as you get older. And uh, really, the most important years when he could have been learning things, he was kind of abandoned and now in the wild. But Itard also had a belief that when his throat was cut, it might have severed his larynx. Is it larynx? I can't remember what. Larynx. Larynx, that's the one. I don't know if I've said it right. I love how you latch on to stuff that I've said. I'm just, I'm just saying a word. I'm pretty sure it's larynx. I couldn't remember what it is. I'm pretty sure it's larynx. Larynx. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but yeah, so that might have affected his ability to talk, possibly. There's also a belief that he was mute before he was even abandoned, so he might have just never been really able to talk. Maybe he was just slow. Yeah. When he first went to Itard, he had no, like, really emotional abilities as well. Like, he couldn't weep. Yeah, so he lacked apathy. Um, Empathy, isn't it? Isn't it apathy? Apathy is when you're apathetic for something. Yeah, you have no emotion. Empathy is feelings. So empathy is having it. So he was apathetic. I suppose you could say so, yeah. So uh, he did learn some degree of emotional empathy, if you like. He did come kind of quite close to Itard's housekeeper. And when uh, she was, one night she was sitting at the table crying because her husband recently died. And uh, he went over to comfort her. So whether that's something you learn or whether something that is quite innate, they weren't too sure. But it's clearly something that he reacted to eventually. I think it could be learned. I mean, you see someone crying and then you see someone comfort her. Yeah. The connection in your mind forms. It's like, well, hugging someone helps them stop crying. Yeah. Despite the fact that Etard's education program wasn't really all that successful in some ways. So he never really learned to talk, as you said. It was quite extraordinary at the time because nothing like this existed, really. And a lot of people like Victor, who were kind of considered deaf and dumb, they'd either be abandoned like Victor had been early on in life and they'd likely fall into bad circumstances. You're really at the mercy of, you know, your family looking after you. And if they didn't want to, you'd be just left somewhere and it wasn't until like the 1750s where you get this institute for the deaf and the idea that we should actually look after kind of people who have learning difficulties and stuff like that comes like a moral obligation that we shouldn't just abandon these people we've got to try and care for them and try and educate them if we can and uh, what this itard realized was that you had to broaden how the way you try and educate children to help please people with learning difficulties to learn. So what he did was quite different and he realised that he had to draw Victor into social interactions by making life more agreeable than it had been for him before. For example, uh, he tried to escape a few times to go back to the forest where he lived. He was clearly kind of happy in the forest in those kind of surroundings. So what he tried to do was to try and provide Victor with some you know, relation to the surroundings that he'd been in before. Just in general, tried to make life as happy as he possibly could. Yeah, and comfortable. Uh, Itard believed a lot that you learn from, like, your senses. So how an idea comes into your head is through, like, the senses, basically. And so he tried to awaken Victor's sensitivity, and that's by stimulation, but also by, like, human affection as well. And that was something that wasn't really used at the time. Um, there's quite lots of like what were called like moral treatments. So it was always believed to be some moral failure within the child, whereas what he was doing was quite different. He also tried to extend Victor's range of ideas, and he, what he realised was that Victor responded to his like his needs, which could help in making him kind of form relations with other people 
but also he hoped to cultivate his use of speech uh, through imitation also by like a reward system as well so if he learnt to spell something new he'd get a reward if he learnt to do something new he'd get a reward um, he wouldn't exactly be punished if he didn't do that but he wouldn't get a reward for just you know anything that's still used quite a lot today so this was quite impressive stuff for the time quite new unfortunately because Itard really reached a plateau of what he could teach Victor he kind of lost interest in him after a while and he stayed with the housekeeper for pretty much the rest of his life but he got kicked out of the Institute for the Deaf as well after a while and he used to sway around a lot and he was in general not very calm although that kind of subsided a lot. The oddities that he exhibited never really went away and he was always very highly sensitive to changes in the weather and to the full moon and really apart from those very basic skills he never really developed far beyond that. So while uh, Itard's treatment wasn't very necessarily very successful with Victor it did prove to be quite successful with other people which just suggests maybe he was on the right track. Yeah but also that Victor just had natural limits to what he could do, perhaps, Mm. or that there needed to be a vastly different way of trying to teach him, possibly. There were some criticisms of why didn't Itard try using some kind of form like sign language or something like that, but I read somewhere else that he might have not reacted to that very well or related to it might just have not worked because one of the doctors at the institute did try some kind of signing method but it didn't work so yeah fortunately after Itard leaves Victor kind of uh, he loses it a bit he comes overweight apparently he resorted to this masturbation a lot and stuff like that at least he learned something yeah Uh, it's kind of a bit sad in a way that the scientific side was a bit obtrusive in his life and he got abandoned when he came no longer of interest. The only really person who stuck with him was Tard's housekeeper, basically. So That's really sad. Well, it's not uncommon, because for, especially for feral children, for that to happen. Because there was one in America in the 1970s, I think she was discovered. We don't know her name, but she's known as Jeannie. I mm. think I mentioned it to you last week as well when we were talking about feral children. Yeah. It was a different background to Victor. She wasn't abandoned. She was kept by her parents but she was kept isolated because at the age of two her dad had decided she's mentally retarded and decided to lock her in her room for 13 years up until she was 13 years old almost 14 and she'd be tied to a child's toilet or tied down to her crib not even bed her crib until social services found out about it and took her away so basically she was under the care of loads of different psychiatrists she passed through so many hands and people end up moving on and whatever progress she made she'd sort of regress as well every time she was abandoned yeah so yeah that's not uncommon for feral children it's very sad yeah it feels like they're interested in him while they're like he's useful to them but once he becomes useless yeah it's not genuine care yeah it's only this housekeeper that really seems to really show actual affection towards him can maybe get on to what modern people think he might have gone through which i think we touched upon a little bit some people believe his muteness might have been a reaction to like the trauma of being abandoned i get that because you get some people in i say modern day but more modern than this some kids they were perfectly fine they knew how to speak but then they end up being raised by wolves for like three years and they leave all set, lose all sense of humanity and they can bark and just behave like wolves yeah. rather than human beings. They just regress into animal form. Yeah. Another common one is that he may have possibly suffered from what we now know is like autism or something like that. Possibly, that makes sense. Because there is quite like the rocking, I was talking about how he used to like rock forward a lot and the sensory stuff and how he wouldn't play and stuff like that. Like there seems been quite common within children with autism today. So that's possibly quite a, a strong case for that. Unfortunately, we'll never really know because we simply just don't know enough about his early years and never will can never really say for sure but some people believe autism or even something like epilepsy might have caused what he possibly had epilepsy must be extreme then yeah i think that's um all about the modern stuff so you thought i think that's all you can really say about him yeah the only thing i was going to say very briefly is that um the only reason they were kind of interested in him was they were interested in this idea of the noble savage and that's idea that if you were lived in nature you were pure and basically that uh, society corrupted people and that civilization that made people evil 
And he was kind of a bit of a disappointment to people, basically, because he pissed and shit everywhere and he just couldn't talk. Like an animal, you would say. Pretty much. So they liked the ideal of the noble savage, but when they were actually confronted with something that seemed to represent it, they were disgusted. So everyone was interested in him for a while, but then once they realised what he was actually like, didn't like him anymore. That poor boy. I know. You don't know what he went through. What about his death? How did he die? Do you know? Uh, he died pretty normally, I think. At 40? I guess it was back in the... Yeah, he'd gone quite obese as well, so he probably... Heart disease. Yeah, something like that, I guess. Probably, you know, hadn't had the healthiest start in life, I guess, in some way. I'd probably say he'd probably be more healthier, because he's having pure natural food. Yeah. Organic food. So it was only when he came into society that he got fucked. Yeah. But also, like, hygiene. They say nowadays we're far too clean in some ways. Yeah. That actually a bit of dirt's not going to do you harm. And his diet was living on acorns and chestnuts and berries and stuff like that. He learned how to eat bread and stuff like that, but that's about as far as he got. He might have had a tiny bit of casserole, but it's never much more than that. It's sad in the way some of the attitudes towards people with learning abilities at the time. Still now, sometimes, it's only recently that they've become accepted. Yeah. Like, Down syndrome, like, n not even 50 years ago, they'd be put in homes once they were born. Yeah, and... The only thing I think that's kind of positive about this is that some, like, progress was made in that kind of direction and people kind of realised you had to actually try different things if you want to help people with learning difficulties. You can't just see things through a narrow lens and say, that person's, uh, you know, an idiot just because they can't do something that other people can. Yeah, whereas if that was true, then most of the world would be idiots. Yeah, and so I kind of, it's kind of positive in a way because, like... Um, a lot of Vitard's developments became like, he wrote about the idea of infantile psychosis, whereas before they would have just been considered dumb or mute and deaf. And that they actually realised actually that there's like a medical problem that we've got to try and deal with rather than just seeing them as kind of idiots, basically. So there's progress, but there's also, it's quite sad, he does get exploited, I think. That happens with a lot of feral children. Yeah. I think the only lucky one was the gazelle kid. Yeah. Oh, but you know there's a film that Jodie Foster was in called Nell. I don't think I've watched it. Yeah, that, that's, that's about a kind of quite similar kind of character. Um, it's quite a good film. Yeah, his uh, wife would make a good film. Yeah. The only thing that we could possibly briefly mention is a lot of these feral children cases turn out to be untrue. Or quite a lot. Well, not... There's been a few cases of hoaxes. Yeah, like the recent one, wasn't it, in Germany? Yes, I forget what he was called now. Uh, I think it was like Wolfgang something in real life. Yeah, something like that. But he turned out he was from Holland or something, wasn't it? Yeah, or Denmark. Yeah, he can speak English for some reason as well. Because people get taught English in European countries, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, we have to learn other European languages. I say we, I was very... Well, I wasn't bad, but I'd forgotten it. Yeah. I, I did realise how stupid that comment <laughs> afterwards. Um, but, yeah, there's there's been quite a few other cases. And there's some French doctor, I think, who's, like, um, he's written a book on, like, how many of these cases turn out to be hoaxes. Um, he believes that uh, this case is also a hoax as well, actually. Because he believes um, Victor can't have possibly survived in that wood for so long on his own. I agree with that. Because a baby, he wouldn't be, as a baby, because that's the theory, isn't it? That he was abandoned as a baby because or they thought he was dumb and deaf. He was roughly about four, I think. No, not when he was found. No, he's found when he was 12. Oh, okay, so not as a baby. Um, I still think it's a bit far-fetched. But for some reason, I thought he was a baby when he was abandoned. And I was just like, what? How does that even work out? Yeah. For possibly, but still not very likely. Uh, this French doctor also said he believed the scars on Victor were due to abuse rather than from living in the forest. When did this French doctor live? Uh, this is more recently. This has been the last 10, 20 years, I think. So how would he know if he's not seen the scarring? I'm not totally sure, to be honest, on that one. So it's just assumptions? Yeah, that's a kind of assumption. 
but I think his criticism is he thinks a lot of doctors at the time were making assumptions as well because at the end of the day no one was there true when like Victor was about we don't know anything about his early life so Mm. I mean I could see his point because Jeannie she didn't talk much either Mm. because of the abuse she went through I could see how suffering abuse would make you mute yeah so yeah I can see it but I don't know, he wasn't there at the time. Even though it was so long ago, so how much would they have really known? Yeah, and they may well have kind of made some stuff up, possibly as well. Possibly embellish it. Yeah. Maybe just make him seem more interesting so they get more funding. Yeah. And they seem to move on pretty quickly as well. Also, I think his his idea about a lot of, like, particularly with some of the modern cases, is it's just some people who just want some like attention basically they want to be yeah. known for something so that's why they pretend to be all feral I, i'm not saying that that's what victor did it's a possibility i mean it's as good a possibility as anything else in this story yeah this wacky tale of victor uh, yeah in, in general i think this victor is quite an interesting character i think my most interesting feral child my most interesting feral child that sounds so wrong <laughs> the, one of the most interesting cases of feral children i've seen is the gazelle boy. Oh, is that in Syria or something like that? Or Iraq? Yeah, I think it's somewhere near Syria. I'm not sure if it's in Syria. Yeah. But it was in the 60s. Uh, I think a group of people or someone saw a boy that was living with gazelles and they tried to retrieve him, which didn't work. Well, they didn't personally try and retrieve him, but somebody did. Mm. But it didn't go down very well and they left him there. Which yeah. Which felt was a bit weird but i think that's why i like it because he could still be at well actually no well a child in the 1960s could still be alive Mm. i mean he could still be out there with the gazelles yeah i think it's in there going back to this french doctor i think he believed because there's quite a few gazelle children i think there's been quite a few cases of that did gazelles kidnap children or something (laughs) it's an interesting idea that i think it's like Dingo's taking babies. It actually <laughs> happened that one time. It's not an actual joke, people. I know. The dad died last year or something like that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Didn't oh, wow. it? Wasn't it that actually, did, um, in this case, I think the dingo ate his baby? Yeah, no, yeah, the dingo ate the baby, not took the baby. Oh, I fucked it up. Because <laughs> the dingo ate my baby was the joke that people used to say or whatever. But it actually happened. Mm. And the authorities thought it was the parents <laughs> that had killed the baby. And dumped it somewhere. But no, yeah. the dingo ate the baby. Mm, those dingoes are hungry. Mm. I wonder if that dingo got put down. I guess it's a wild dingo. It probably just disappeared into the wilderness. Mm. That annoys me when they put down, like, animals sometimes. Why can't they put down people as well? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, you get, like, um, some kids, like, they kick a bird to death or something like that. Or they, they do terrible things to animals. They don't put the kids down. But if a fox or something bites a child which probably deserved it they get shot in the head or something like that i yeah i also don't think it's fair especially if it's an animal we give human beings so many chances and i'm not exactly a massive animal lover but yeah i don't agree with that you shouldn't put animals down for no reason yeah i mean the only reason you should put an an animal down is because it's in pain and you can't really repair it I think if, if it's something like a dog where it's it's dangerous to even try and attempt to look after it, and maybe... If we're going to be putting down animals, right, we should be able to put down human beings. Yeah. Because if a serial killer or a serial rapist, let's just put them down rather than try and rehab... Well, rather than lock them up mm. and then release them into the ether where they could do it again. But it, it's like, it's a bit strange because we're okay with, like, euthanizing dogs. But, but when, when it, it comes, comes to human beings, I know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. With, like, dogs, it's seen as being the kind thing to do. You don't want the dog to suffer. But when it's humans, oh, no, you've got to live it out, you know. Yeah, when it's humans, you have to actually go to trial to say, hey, I don't want to live anymore because my quality of life is shit. And it usually gets rejected. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, those people are good people because I would have just killed myself yeah. rather than have to go through the courts. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't think I've got too much more on this. Yeah, I don't really have much to say either. The only cases I really know about are the Gazelle Boy and Genie, which we've talked about, so... Yeah. It's funny how I didn't actually do research on Victor. But, yeah, I know about Gazelle Boy and Genie. In my defence, I knew about them before we discovered Victor. Yeah. There's not been too many just recently, has there, though? Uh, I think it's because we can see through the bullshit now more. Much more sceptical, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas back 
in the day, they wouldn't have. I mean, they used to believe in witches and stuff, for crying out loud. Yeah. Now, I don't think we're as easily led. Yeah. I mean, people actually do their research. Yeah. Because it's not quite the same, but what was that case? You know, there's that boy who'd gone up in a balloon or something like that. Oh, Balloon Boy. That was, yeah, that was a while ago now. I think it's like 10 years. And it turned out there's the parents or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And he was, he was just in the house or something. Yeah. Yeah, that happens a lot. Like, it happened here recently. Well, not like a feral case thing, but Shannon Matthews. So her mum faked a kidnapping to get some glory, like the McCanns did. Well, I'm not saying the McCanns faked the kidnapping. I'm saying McCanns got press and all that. Uh, I'm not accusing the McCanns of anything publicly. Well, anyway, so Shannon Matthews' mother, she said that her daughter had been kidnapped... The press were all over it, and it turns out she faked the kidnapping, and Shannon was in the bed of her boyfriend's uncle or something like yeah. that. Because she, she did all like the like the kind of where they give you know um, appeals saying you know I hope she's safe and stuff like that, and bring her home and stuff like that. Yeah, think, yeah. Uh, like the Philpots did that as well, didn't they? Philpots. I don't know. Uh, they, do you know the Philpots? I know the name, but I can't remember the case. It's it's quite it's, quite, it's really bad that one. It's um it's where the the dad and I think it might have been either the mum or stepmum they set fire to the house and it killed like some of the children. Oh god! Oh no! Yeah, I remember this one. They were like uh, they did like uh, they did one of those like press things where they were crying and stuff like that and said, you know, we're really sad to have lost our kids and stuff like that. Yeah, and they've done it all along. Some parents are just fucked up. Yeah. That's why I always say, if you're going to be a parent, I feel like, you know, once you reach puberty and you can start having kids, you should have a test done, like a personality test yeah. and a psychology test. And then if you fail it, they, like, sterilise you. Mm, good idea. I yeah, I don't think everyone has the right to a child. Because yeah. you clearly shouldn't if you don't know how to handle it and you can't afford it and all that stuff. So yeah. not everyone should be able to have children. Yeah. That and the world's overpopulated. Just do the world a favour. Don't yeah. breed. There's enough breeding going on. Way too much. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of it's done by the people that can't afford to have them. <laughs> like, I, I don't like rich people, but at least they can afford their kids. Just let them have them. Yeah. Because I pay taxes. I don't want you paying for other people's kids. I already have to pay for the old, and I don't mind that, because they've done their bit for, for society. Yeah. I don't mean all pe- people that have kids. I just mean those... You know the type of people I'm talking about, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to elaborate, do I? Yeah, the ones with, like, six kids. Six kids and parents that don't work because they're housewife, house husbands, even though their kids are well into school. Mm. And could do chores around the house so there's no excuse to at least get a part-time job maybe yeah i actually got into an argument with someone on the internet the other day did you yeah because he was saying how people shouldn't take low-level jobs like working in shops or fast food restaurants or any restaurants because they're not they're going to stay there i was like well no you're not going to stay there if you're actually good and you're capable of doing things it's work experience it's something you've got on your cv Mm. And also, don't look down on them because those people are doing a job. That's better than the people that are sitting around their asses doing nothing, which is what you're encouraging. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where you shouldn't look down on them. No, because people help you. I mean, without them, like, your life would drastically change. You don't think it would be yeah. a massive change, but it would be. Yeah. I do think he's got a slight point on that. There's not so much, like, job mobility now. Well, I'm not saying that if you start off stocking shelves at Sainsbury's, you're going to end up with yeah. zero. But it's something to fill your CV with. Yeah. If I'm an employer looking at a CV, and even if the person's young, if he if he's like, what, 25, he hasn't had a job, and then his excuse is, well, I'm not going to do a Sainsbury's job, am I? And I was yeah. like, well, no, that kid's certainly not vote- motivated. He doesn't know hard work. Yeah. Even if it's to fill a gap in your CV, do it. Yeah. And it's not menial. You shouldn't look down on it. Because plenty of people do it, plenty of people survive, and plenty of people don't stay there, they move on. Yeah. And the alternative is to sit back and do nothing, which yeah. is shockingly terrible, and I have to pay for it, basically. Yeah. I love how this is the feral children episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those bloody feral kids, you know, just get a job, shouldn't they? 
Yeah. Instead of hanging <laughs> around in the forest all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Being healthy and learning a skill set. I guess they're kind of learning trades as well with, like, the hunting and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. We should all do that with our kids and send them into the forest. <laughs> yeah. Hang on a minute. What about paying taxes, though? They don't pay taxes in the forest, do they? Well, they don't take anything from us. Um, we'll if they stay in the forest, they're not using transport. They're not using the roads. They're not using the health care. They're not using dental care. They're not using anything that the taxes pay for. As long as they're not stealing berries, I could have had. Well, what are the chances we have paid to have them planted there? And they're not natural, naturally there. Mm. How can you tell? True. And if it is an area where we have developed, as in the government has helped develop, clearly there will be people around there, so there wouldn't be any feral children. Yeah, you could shoot a kid if he goes near any berries and stuff like that. Yeah, could you imagine the toffs, like, mistaking a child for a fox? (laughs) Or, you know, the owner of the Arsenal team. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, I don't really have all that much to say about this, as you've noticed, because I haven't really said anything all episode. No. It has nothing to do with the fact that I'm not very well. You're not, you're not very well. Oh. Yeah, and it has also nothing to do with the fact that I didn't even bother Googling Victor. I mean, I might have, like, skimmed something. Poor guy. You've just completely forgotten about him, haven't you? Yeah, like, society has forgotten. I forgot, even. It's poor guy. He just gets overlooked by everyone, you know. Yeah, just because all the other feral children are about. Yeah. Yeah, that's overshadowed by the gazelle kids. That's what he's getting. Yeah. Poor kid. Just because he can't run like a gazelle. Well, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think it's time to bid goodbye now. Yeah, I I say we bid good day. Yeah, say farewell. Salut. Au revoir. Or something like that. What? Salut is hello. Sometimes the French say au revoir, not just au revoir. Au revoir. Yeah, that's that's French lessons from me there. (laughs) Au revoir, who knows? Like, I haven't done French in a while. Maybe that is a thing. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I've seen it somewhere. Okay. My favourite thing is, oh, mon dieu. <laughs> What's that? Just, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the French language sounds quite nice, to be honest. Yeah, it does. I mean, I remember when I was studying French, it's it's so long ago now. Mm. It keep forgetting how long ago it was, but it was ages ago. Yeah. But to practice, I'd watch films and just put French subtitles on. Yeah. I do, I do like, love It's usually the other way around, isn't it? You're supposed to watch French films. It's like, no, no, I'll watch regular films and put <laughs> French subtitles on that I can actually ignore because ah. I don't need them. Ah, I, I do love the French films, though, the way they talk in them. They're very fast and it's very difficult sometimes to ca- keep up. Mm. Yeah. That's why I always need my subtitles on during a French film, no matter how good my French is, which is not very good. Yeah. I say that, I don't know, I haven't... Spoken French in years, I could still be good. Who knows? I got a B in GCSE. That's good enough. No, last time I did French, I was um, I was at infant school. Anyway, um, anyway, let's say goodbye before. Yeah, au revoir. Goodbye. Ciao, yeah. Bella, Bella, and blokes, because I don't know how to say man in Italian. Bye. Yeah, bye, bye. Uh, I don't know how you say bye either.